Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World. Welcome to another remarkable, unbelievable edition of FNO InsureTech. We are your hosts. Yeah. <laughs> we are. I love, I love when you agree with me. Well, I'm not going to disagree. We are the host. That, yeah, but I mean, I don't know that that needed an agreement. No, you're, you're probably right. But nor does it need to be announced. I mean, was this the 110th time we've announced your host? I'll consider it more of an affirmation than oh, an agreement. Okay. How's well, that? Well, I, yeah, I, I do affirm the fact that we are the host. Yes. And I affirm that this is FNO InsureTech, and this is another exciting, enthralling edition. And I'm driving to something here. I'm Where driving are you driving to? to? You I'm should not talk and, and drive at the same time. I'm driving at something. No, in fact, um, do you have telematics in your car? I do. I do. do I just updated it. Yeah. What what do you what what is it? Is it a little thing that sticks into your uh, electrical? No, it it I'm just so, sits it just sits on my dashboard, and it connects to my phone b- via Bluetooth, and it and it captures six data points like mm-hmm. how hard you brake, left turn, right turn, mm-hmm. if you're talking on the phone, and then it it sends all that data back to my insurance company, who can then adjust my rate if I'm a safe driver. Which shocker, I am. Well, without getting into your personal habits, because that would, <laughs> we could do a whole series of podcasts on that. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, they're as unique as Lee Boyd is, uh, yes. not surprisingly. So yes, we're going to pass, we're going to skip over that and we're going to go to, now here's the thing. Do you think that the behavior that your telematic device picks up and sends back to the insurance company in and of itself is enough for them to make the determination that no. you are a safe driver? No, absolutely what? not. I mean, it, it can tell you something, but it doesn't give the the whole picture. It doesn't give, uh, it, it, it only captures those, those individual data points. It doesn't give me the whole picture to send back. Right. That's exactly correct. That's why we have Oleg Coral the chief technology officer at Casco to go with us today. Now, Casco to go, for those of you that don't know, is a very interesting telematics company that has come to the realization that what you get from the driver's telematics is not enough to do underwriting. Right. What do you think about that? Well, but you know, they're also not from America, right? That's kind of cool. That's that's correct. They're an international company. Oleg himself is in Israel. Uh, a bunch of very smart people who have kind of determined that telematics is a great start, but it's but it's not the end point. Well, I mean, with with anything, there has to be a beginning and a middle, and it looks as though they're making their way into the middle, really really branching out, trying to learn as much as they can. And finding that that they have to bring other pieces of data into it. I'm very excited to hear this podcast and to see what all they have to talk about. Well, first of all, um, there's there's only a single host on there this is. podcast. There, that there's no correct. Lee Boyd. So for all you Lee Boyd fans 
who only like to listen to Lee Boyd podcasts, you can drop off right now. Which was nobody. That's right. Because <laughs> you're going to so, get a lot good more. Good news: Rob. the entire audience is still here. You're getting a lot more Rob Beller than you might have than you might have bargained for on this one. You're going to be sitting there saying. God, when's Lee going to come in? Enough of this already. When is that one question that comes in around minute nine? When is that (laughs) one going to happen? Yeah. Oh, there. You feel better now you got that in? Yeah, I feel better now. Everyone knows my place. My place comes a little bit later. I'm letting you talk a lot on this intro. You did, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Rob. Sure, sure. Just another uh, nice thing I've done for you today. Mm -hmm. Yep, number one. Down. Check. Thank you. Well, anyways, in case you're wondering, I think that Lee Boyd is one of the nicest, greatest people I know. Oh, that's nice, Rob. Okay. Don't that's like to nice hear guy. him on the podcast, but no. he's a nice guy. <laughs> you know, I bet everyone out there in the audience is thinking, huh, can y'all stop jibber-jabbering and let us listen to the Dead Gum podcast? Well, then that then that's exactly what we'll do. So here is my interview, minus Lee Boyd, mm-hmm. with Oleg Coral, Chief Technology Officer at the very interesting company. Casco to go. Hi, everybody. We are here with our special guest today, and I am running solo today. Our co-host, Lee Boyd, is not with us. We have with us today, coming all the way from Israel, Oleg Coral from Casco to go. Good morning, Oleg. How are you? Morning. All good. Thank you. <laughs> but it's not morning in Israel, right? Uh, it's not morning in Israel. It's actually uh, the evening of uh, Friday, which means Shishi, which means oh, it's, it's almost Shabbat. Shabbos. Almost, yes. Okay. Well, okay. Well, then we'll we'll go quickly because we wouldn't want you to miss that. Welcome to our show, and we love to have companies that have an Israeli connection on our show. We've had many. And you are the latest and a very, very interesting company. So why don't we start by taking a minute or two to have you tell us what Casco to Go is and what you guys do. So Casco to Go is an insured tech company. It means that we deal in insurance, more specifically in car insurance. And for the last three to four years, we were... Um, a standard telematic solution, meaning that um, first we employed uh, OBD blocks like everybody is familiar with. Then we understood that there is a problem with OBD, uh, mainly the distribution and the work with hardware. So we shifted to work with phones only. And uh, eventually last year, we learned one more important thing, at which point we had to shift our perspective again. This important thing was that the telematic solutions today have a leg between where they want to be and where they actually are. And this very much limits their utility to an insurance company. So this is how we got today to normal Sigma. This is in two words, very short, brief history of us. The company is ran by a multinational team As you said correctly, part of of the company, more specifically, the technology part is in Israel. We have uh, offices in Ukraine and in Switzerland, and Switzerland is our headquarters. You said that telematics isn't where it needs to be, where it is today. Can you give us a little more on that? What what do you mean by that? 
Today, the, let's call it the mainstream of telematics, although telematics is a new field, relatively speaking, but the mainstream of telematics deals with uh, either kilometrage-based insurance, so you just collect the amount of kilometers somebody is driving and he pays the insurance based on that, or uh, there is the behavioral-based insurance. So companies, a lot of companies in the world are trying to monitor the way that you drive. Uh, if you brake too many times or accelerate too hard, uh, they would uh, calculate this against your behavioral score. And this score would um, basically be the basis for, for the insurance company to assess you. The premise itself, the basic idea is correct. If you can find the patterns on how a person behaves and you can connect this to the accident rate of a certain behavioral parameters, then you would be able to, to give an effective data point to the insurance company and more importantly to the actuary work within the insurance company, right, to change their business model. Unfortunately, today there is just not enough research, not enough data to show that there is a connection between you breaking five times during a trip and you getting into an accident with the specific right. Uh, right. probability, right? Right. That's a huge problem. So that limits the UBI solutions in general to almost mostly type of uh, marketing type tool instead of an actual actuary or underwriting tool. So in other words, it gives you a lot of interesting data the cause and effect links are still not um, not 100% nailed down. Is that correct? Well, not 100% nailed down is a nice way to say it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's a better way to say it? Well, I would say that mostly it just sounds good. It's more of a feeling that people have. So... We all had this situation where we drive on a highway and uh, somebody breaks for no reason in front of us. And, uh, you know, you are all irritated at this point and it's a situation now, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel that this is dangerous behavior. Unfortunately, between this, the feeling that you have, which everybody, everybody has, and connecting this to actual numbers that you can act upon as an insurance company, there is a big gap. And from what we see today, the telematic insurance is mostly based on this feeling, of, on selling this feeling of uh, if somebody behaves erratically on the, on the highway, he is probably more dangerous. Right. But there is not enough data. Just, there is just not enough research to show this connection. But Casco, I'll ask the obvious question. Yes. Casco to go is a company that's built on the, I guess what you're saying, the hope that there is a definitive connection there. So what does that mean for the company? That's a great question. <laughs> the answer is we, as I said, in 2020, we changed our perspective a lot. And the reason is because we were installing and uh, selling these telematic solutions across Europe. And we were getting 
always to the same point, always to the same question. And I'm sure that anyone that is in the telematic knows this situation and feels it every day where you come to a new customer and you propose him the solution and you tell him, look, at the end of this process, there is a number. And this number tells you what is the behavior of the person, right? Either it will be zero to a hundred or you know, zero to a thousand, it doesn't matter. But bottom line, it tells you about the behavior of the person. But the question that the insurance company will always ask you is, okay, but how is this behavior connected to his accident rates? Because this is what we care about. This is what we pay for. This is what we, well, pardon the terms, but get punished for, right? This is where the claims come from. And the answer is, it seems there is a connection, always. And then the insurance company will go in the direction of, uh, look, let's do a trial. Let's try it for six months, 12 months, two years. Depending on the size of the company, they usually try to try it for as long as possible. And then they exchange technologies. And most of the large insurance companies in Europe, at least today, already tried a few telematic solutions, not just one. And the results are all, always, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And one year, the same solution works fine, and the next it doesn't. So we saw this situation and we thought, look, it cannot continue like this. We have to have some, something solid behind, the, behind our, our solution. And then we created Normal Sigma. And Normal Sigma is basically our way of selecting the parameters that we want to go through, selecting the parameters that we will give the insurance company on the basis of their the ability to prove them to the insurance company immediately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, we did uh, research on uh, behavioral parameters. We monitored the few reasons why people get into accidents. And uh, one of the more interesting results that we got were actually about speeding. So if I may ask you, if a person is speeding, is that increases or decreases his chance of getting into an accident? Well, logically, I would say increases. Yeah, it seems reasonable to us, right? Correct. But if you look at the data, the fact that you are speeding by itself does not really increase your chance of getting into an accident that much. And if you just expand this thinking, you will see that it it makes sense, right? If I'm driving at very high speed, but the entire highway is clean, there is no one with me. There is no one around me. There is no rain. There is no, it's in the middle of the day, so you can see any distance forward and you are completely alert, right? You are in control in this situation. There is a chance you will get into an accident, but there is very little variables on the road. But on the other hand, if you are trying to drive very quickly and you go into traffic, for example, right? So you drive on the highway and From nowhere, there is traffic and everything goes to complete standstill. If you combine those two situations together, that will actually create a more dangerous situation. Right. So so what you're saying is it's not just the person in the car. 
Yep, it's also the situation that he is in. So if we will just continue for a second with speeding, if we will look at it from the other perspective, think of somebody going 40 on a highway. Is he in, in more danger than the one that is going 80 or less? I'll say less, right? Actually more, because everybody around him is going 80, right? On a highway, right. everybody okay. is moving at high speeds. If you go slowly, then you create an obstruction on the highway. You create an event. Mm -hmm. This is where the danger comes from, eventually, when something changes. So is this what you're doing now, is you're bringing in other, like, traffic data and what, what's going on, environmental data, if you will? Yep. And, and layering that on top of the telematic data? Exactly. So we are selecting from the telematic data only the parameters that we can understand immediately. So basically your location, your speed right and we layer on, on top of this additional parameters like weather traffic your usage of the phone since our system is uh, based on the phone right we, we don't currently use obd anymore so we can actually monitor your phone activity while driving right because if you're driving like you to use your example if you're driving 60 or you're driving 80 in uh, a climate that is very pleasant, like Southern California, versus a climate like Alaska, those are major differences. That's a potentially significant difference, even though you're driving at the same speed. Yep. And more importantly, this is a difference that we can actually measure. We can collect enough data today to measure this difference in numbers. Right. There is no bias in this solution. So now what I'm sure you guys had to do was you had to find or contract or create all kinds of new data sets and data sources in order to uh, pr provide this kind of idea. Is that correct? That's correct. And now what we are building is a system that collects information from multiple data sources. And uh, some of them were quite more difficult to find uh, than others. And of course, some of them were quite more expensive than we expected. But if you want a quality product, you will pay for the quality raw material, right? Right. Well, I have a friend who runs a insurance company here in the United States who says the, the person that owns the data wins. I, I'm sure that that's uh, what you're experiencing, right? Yep. So where are you are, you guys are an insurance company. You are selling insurance policies. Is that correct? Yeah. This is a legacy situation that we're currently in. As part of our telematic solution in uh, Switzerland, we mm -hmm. closed the contract where we actually sell the insurance. Obviously, we do not underwrite it. Okay. We stopped one step before actually getting a license and use an underwriting partner but uh, yeah we are in switzerland we are selling insurance in uh, ukraine we provide the technology and uh, in japan germany and a few other places we provide only the analytics and uh, well basically the next stage of the system what's the long-term plan for casco to go is it to be a, a a writer of insurance or is it to be the provider of these sophisticated telematic solutions? So I would say neither. Our vision, at least today, 
is to create a system at which you can provide a more accurate underwriting and more accurate actuary work than what is available to people today. The insurance companies today mostly do it still with the same parameters that we were doing it for, you know, since there were car insurance. So basically your age, your address, etc., is the basis for any underwriting situation, mostly the claims that you filed, etc. What we are trying to do is to expand this. So instead of using just the address, we would know where you are actually driving with our system, right? And we can assess the risk that you are taking upon yourself when you are driving in certain areas. So as an example, let's say you live somewhere in New Jersey and you work in the middle of New York, so in Manhattan. And most of the driving time you spend in Manhattan, right? Usually on the turnpike, it takes less time to get to outskirts of New York than to get into New York itself. So if most of the time you are spending in New York while you are driving, then the correct parameters to collect or to um, give you insurance are the ones that are relevant to New York instead of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, this will allow a better understanding of the driving, basically the same parameters that the insurance company use today, but with additional depth. With, with the additional help from the telematic solution. Telematics are interesting. They're obviously being collected in real time and many different carriers, yourself included, is, you know, like you said, on a marketing level saying, pay for how you drive. If you're a safer driver, your rates will be lower and you can save, you know, tremendous amounts of money by being a safe driver. Um, and, and what you're talking about is measuring that more accurately and more accurately and more accurately so that an insurance company can effectively do it. Yep. But is it pricing it in real time? So, for example, if you're paying by the month, mm -hmm. would you pay for how you drove? Would your bill on March 1st be for how you drove in February? Is that the concept? Or is it getting repriced and re-underwritten every six months or, or a year? So this is exactly one of those moves that we had to do away from the traditional telematic. We do not actually tell the insurance company how to price it. We just provide the information. If the insurance company decides to sell you insurance on a monthly basis and they decide to take into account only the last month of your driving, this is how they do it. If they decide to sell you only traditional insurance, but with this additional telematic system involved, then it will be a yearly insurance like you know today. As I mentioned, we are trying to disconnect ourselves from the sell selling of the insurance. We just provide the analytics and the support for the underwriting for the insurance company. You know, it's interesting. We've had a couple different telematic providers and companies on and, and companies that are related to that. This is a huge coming part of the insure tech market. And it's very interesting. There's billions, as, as we've talked, there's literally billions of miles of data. Well, um, depending on which data you mean. 
if you are talking about telematic specifically, it's not that much of a question of how many miles of data you have. This is, uh, well, from my point of view, using the number of miles driven is somewhat of a misleading way of looking at telematics, especially when you talk about telematics in context of an insurance company, right? So in the last few days, I had a discussion with somebody that told me, look, I know people that tell me that they are able to calculate an underwriting solution based on 10,000 years of driving, okay? So if you have 10,000 years of driving, I can calculate something for you for, uh, for your actuary work, right? For the way that your company does business. And it sounds impressive, right? 10,000 years of driving, it's a lot of years. But if you break this down into what this actually means to the insurance company, it becomes, it starts looking a little bit different. So the mathematics is simple. 10,000 years of driving is basically 10,000 drivers driving for a year, right? Right, right. Okay, so the accident rate for any insurance company will be, I don't know, let's say 40%. This is with including all the minor stuff that they get, right? 40% right. of all policies will get some kind of claim, claim on them during the year, which makes it, let's say, 4,000 incidents. 4,000 incidents during a year. Even a average insurance company, not the biggest one, but the average insurance company in Europe needs at least 50,000 incidents to learn anything about the underwriting of, uh, of its customers. You see the difference? Yes. The number 10,000 years sounds impressive until you actually calculate it back to what the insurance company needs. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about billions of miles and billions of kilometers or thousands of years, it's all well and good, but we really need to understand what the, the client is looking for. And what they are looking for is incidents. What is the chance of you getting into an incident? And that makes us calculate the actual incidents. And uh, yeah, you need much more data to be able to calculate anything. So when you look out five years from now in the world of telematics, obviously you guys are taking big steps forward with the layering of your data, with trying to look at it more holistically than just narrowly, just, you know, what speed is this driver going? That's interesting, but it's not indicative. Where's telematics five, ten years from now? Where, where is it going? Will it really get nailed down will it really be the the solution that the insurance industry is hoping for so at this point it very much depends on what do you mean by the word telematic if you are talking about behavior analytics then i'm not sure that we will be there in five years not even maybe in 10 years but if you are talking about using technology to improve insurance that's something that we will be there within five years, definitely. So expanding the ability of the insurance to create finer and finer underwriting and finer and finer policies 
uh, that will suit more customers or will be more suitable to each type of customer. This is something that definitely will happen within five years. But as far as um, the way that we're trying to do telematic today, I'm very skeptical about it. Let's call it like this. Well, it's interesting. Like you said, it's a, it's a marketing hook. Yeah, it actually is in most cases. And there is even a, a deeper problem with this. And if I may go a little bit more into the data. Please. The problem here is with the kind of placebo effect that you get when you employ this kind of solution. And what do I mean by this? Whenever an insurance company implements this kind of system that monitors the behavior of the driver, the first people that will be interested in using this system would be those that think of themselves as cautious drivers, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever you do this kind of pilot as an insurance company, you will not immediately install it through your entire motor pool. You will install it to specific people, just you know, a selected group that is willing to go this route. And this actually skews the data. When you finish the experiment, you might be in a situation where you see an improvement, but this improvement is coming not from the use of the technology, but from this skewed selection of the drivers. So this is a problem with basically selecting a sample, right? Whenever you select a sample in a group, you need to, for the sample to be as random, as random as possible. Otherwise, the study that you are doing is basically useless. If you have a bias in your sample selection, then you can make the study tell whatever you want story, right? Unfortunately, when you implement telematic solutions in the real world, the first people that will use them will be the people that basically select themselves. And hence, you create a skewed study whenever you do a pilot with an insurance company. You're not picking the sample. They're, they're self-selecting, like you said. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're not picking randomly. They're self-selecting. And then you might create a situation where you get very good results at the, at the end of it. But those results are completely fictitious, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how widespread the situation is. I can tell you that I know of examples of situations where this did happen with insurance companies. And this is why one of the reasons why we, we see this, you know, instability of adopting this uh, telematic solution where an insurance company would take the solution, would use it for a while, and then it will look good, and then it would not, will not look good, and it will look good again, etc. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've seen that here in the U.S., where a few years ago there was much heavier advertising about telematics and participating in that as a way of getting uh, reduced premiums. In my mind, I, I don't see that kind of advertising quite as heavily anymore. Yep. This is when our vision about the future meets reality, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk for a minute in the few minutes we have left. I want to talk about you. You're an interesting character. You're in Israel. You're not a, you're not a native Israeli. Tell us a little bit about your story, Oleg. Well, how far do you want me to start? How about starting at seven years old? Seven years old, okay. So seven years old, I was a citizen of the Soviet Union at that point. It still was the Soviet Union. And uh, 
at a certain point in time, my family decided that we need to move to Israel. Uh, obviously, this is more of a retrospective discussion than me actually understanding then what was going on around me. Sure. It was still the Soviet Union when we decided to go, but we were in Moldova then, not in Russia proper. So uh, it was a little bit more easy, I, I assume, a little bit easier to get from there, even though the Soviet Union still existed. But at a certain point during the night came a few buses that collected all the people which wanted to go, obviously all the Jewish people. And we went to Romania. We spent a while there. And then we had the flight to Israel. This is how we got to Israel, the shortened version. The interesting thing about this situation was that we... And uh, we moved to Israel on the 31st of uh, December, 1991. Basically, it was just a few days before the Soviet Union collapsed. So by the time we got to Israel, I think there was no more Soviet Union. Remarkable. And so so you, you grew up in Israel, and um, like all Israelis, or most, you were in the IDF, is that correct? That's correct. Uh-huh. And IDF stands for? Israel Defense Force, but I specifically was in the Air Force. Right. Can you just tell us real quickly about what you did um, in the IDF? As it happens with a lot of Israelis, I, I myself was in the IDF as an engineer. Um, I was writing my own code since I, since I was 14. So by the time I got to, to my drafting age, I got drafted into the army as a software engineer. And uh, in the army, I was basically doing projects that are currently being used for equipment that is uh, uh, flown on Israeli planes and installed in uh, Air Force vehicles. Uh, I will not go deeper than that. Well, because of obvious reasons, it was sure, sure. It was a while ago, but still, <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah, I was writing software for hardware that is going, it was, and is still going uh, to the next generation of aircrafts. Then I still I assume it's still being used today. Didn't that system or the bones of that system go on to cellular communication providers' usage as well? Not as the bones, but it's all about data movement, right? This is all software is. It's about moving data from point A to point B. When you need to work in the environment where uh, the data that you need to move needs to move in real time, high speeds, high accuracy, uh, as you can understand from military applications, right? Uh, this kind of uh, high accuracy, real-time operations are valuable for other things. For example, getting the internet to run smoother on your phone. If you have a real-time calculation and real-time operation of, uh, of the system with high capacity capabilities, then you can do a lot of things when you move data. Yeah. Very cool. Well... We appreciate you taking your time, particularly on a 
on a Friday afternoon or early evening in Israel. And such an interesting conversation. Like I said, we've talked with telematic people and telematic providers before, but never with the twist uh, that you presented today about the more holistic look at the data. It's not just how you're driving inside the car. It's what's going on outside the car as well, uh, maybe just as importantly. And we look forward to hearing more about Casco. Do, are you working? Do you have customers in the U.S.? Do you, Is that part of the goal? Just real quickly, I'll ask you as we end. At this point, we do not have customers in the U.S., but since the insurance market is a very finite market, we are not stopping ourselves at any border at this point. If somebody wants to work with us in the U.S., we, we can accommodate with the suite of solutions that we already have. Well, we invite them to get in touch with you. How would somebody find you? You are the chief technology officer at Casco to go, or is uh, how, how do they get in contact? So the best way to get in contact with us is uh, through our website. Um, whenever you go on our website, there is uh, just a pop-up that you have there. You write your name and uh, you know how to contact you, and we will get back to you within either a few hours or at most a day. Directly with me, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Go search for Ole Coral, and you will be able to find me. Right. And there's links on our website as well. So thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure also to hear your children in the background. And, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about them next time. Sure, sure. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Haley, I know that you didn't have an opportunity to actually be on the recording, but you're familiar with what we talked about. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on what he was basically what Oleg was basically talking about, about layering of data. So you're not just pulling from one data source, but your data set gets larger and larger. Um, and in the world of telematics, not just pulling the driving data, but all kinds of associated circumstantial things like what time of day it is, what what's the weather outside? Yeah. How are other drivers driving in the neighborhood? What about the particular highway that you're on or the intersection? What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's about seeing the entire picture. I mean, I'm a data guy. I'm a report guy, and I can make decisions based on a single data point, but we know that's not always right. So we have to be able to reach out and grab more data points, maybe outside of where we we're originally looking, to get the entire picture. I mean, it's just the way that you have to do business, and it seems like that's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that carriers would be very interested in that kind of, of full picture. Absolutely. From from an underwriting standpoint. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, the the entire picture. If you're able to sell the entire picture, it's so important. Well, we thank Oleg for being with us today and wish him the best at Casco to go. We thank you for being with us, and we're gonna give Lee Boyd a pass. Last week was one heck of a week. And uh, until next time, we say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>